everyone. Welcome to Talk for Freedom. This is Cesar Lopez with A21 Freedom Chasers, and we do have uh, Chuck Paul with us. And uh, we're actually here with um, Carla Solomon. Um, she's going to be our special guest speaker today, talking a little bit about her story. This is episode 20. We do want to thank you guys for hanging around, listening to our podcast on Apple iTunes and Google Play. We actually haven't posted a podcast here in uh, a little over a month, but we appreciate y'all's patience. We uh, There's just a lot of things going on right now, and uh, we're, we're out there working. Chuck is out there working as well, um, trying to help families, trying to help kids. And so we're back now, and we do have some exciting content for you with this episode and the next upcoming episode. So we'll kick it off. Uh, Chuck, do you want to kick it off for us? Thanks, Caesar. So I have the honor today of introducing you to Carla Solomon, who I I have personally witnessed her speaking and heard her story and been very moved by her story. She is a powerful, powerful survivor leader. And yes, Carla is a survivor of exploitation. Uh, She is leading the way with providing her story, her testimony to help empower others to escape exploitation and to avoid being exploited. And we are just so moved by the power of the Holy Spirit that has allowed the healing so much in Carla that she is out there with the bravery that she has sharing her story and letting the world know that what happened in darkness can be healed in the light. So Carla, I thank you for this opportunity and I want to ask you, would you please just tell us a little bit about yourself so we can and maybe hopefully share just a little bit about your story. Yes, thank you. My name is Carla. Um, I am married. I'm a mother of three. Um, Growing up was uh, very hard for me. Um, I was in a very broken home. Um, I was uh, molested at a very young age and I was taken from my mother and sent to live with other family members. Um, so I grew up with one of my aunts, um, whenever I was about 11 years old, um, I was actually exploited back then. Um, I befriended an older lady that took advantage of me. Um, she was the one that I started doing drugs with at a young age, smoking cigarettes, running away from home. Um, and she would do things to where she would make money off of me being with other men. Um, Going forward, whenever I was about 14, I was raped again and I actually got pregnant. And instead of having an abortion like my family wanted me to, uh, I moved out and started off on my own and uh, my son is extremely smart Uh, he's 17 now and uh, later on down the road I met my husband we have two more kids us together and um, life was going pretty good and uh, I had a emergency surgery and in result of all of that I was I became addicted to pain pills and uh, with all of that I I ended up uh, 
lashing out at my husband and my family. Uh, I ended up leaving him. We got in this big fight and split up. Uh, we were in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I kind of went off the deep end. During this time, I met Herman Fox, which turned out to be the man that exploited me. Um, this was somebody that my husband already knew. They went to school together. This man knew of me, but I never really met him until this time. Um, because me and my husband were split up, me and I didn't call him Herman. His nickname was Fat. So me and Fat, we kind of started, we were sleeping together. Um, he would take me places so nice, spend so much money on me. He would get my nails done, get my hair done, take me shopping, hand me money just to go crazy and buy whatever I wanted to. He kept me from what he was doing uh, at first, and then eventually a couple weeks into knowing him, uh, I started driving for him. Uh, he was already very established as far as having other girls working for him. Um, he actually had some girls that he would leave at hotels around Baton Rouge and they would work for him and he would just go pick up the money. He had some girls that uh, were a little bit younger and needed to be watched more uh, that he didn't trust, I guess. So one night um, we had taken this girl. She was probably about 19. I don't know her real name. He called her Danny J or Red. So Red was in the car with us and we had to drive like an hour and 45 minutes way out of the way um, for her to go to a house call or in call, whatever you want to call it. Um, so we get there and she wasn't there for very long. She comes back, gets in the car and she doesn't have any money. So Fat had me drive the car close to Baton Rouge, but not quite. Um, we were in a little town called Homa. If you've ever been to Louisiana, there's not too much in Homa except swamps. He had me pull over on the side of the road and he drug her out of my car and to the back by the trunk. And I watched in the rearview mirror as he beat her. He gets back in the car. He took one of his shirts off and wipes the blood off of his hands. And as he does that, he tells me to leave. He made me leave her there on the side of the road. I still to this day don't really know what happened to her. Um, so he takes, he tells me that I need to drive to a hotel. Um, he already had a room at the La Quinta in Baton Rouge. And that was a very um, known spot for prostitution, uh, drug, deals, things like that, uh, not in a very good part of town. And so we get there, we get inside, and this man that I thought loved me is sitting there looking at me like I'm worth a million bucks. And little did I know I really was. 
he was making an ad on Backpage.com. He didn't even use my own pictures. He pulled these pictures of this blonde girl, really cute and pretty, um, with these enticing pictures. And um, he created an ad on Backpage. And uh, once I realized what he really wanted me to do, I tried to run for the door. And because we were in this relationship, um, he kind of grabs me and holds me and kisses on me and tells me he just needs me to do it this one time. And that after that, I wouldn't have to do anything, that we would just be living the life of luxury. And, you know, he sold this false dream to me. So I agreed. And for the next 40 to 50 days, I had a quota of $1,500 a day. If you break that down for, that's about 10 to 12 men a day, depending. I was forced to do things for men, um, play like a little girl, play like a girlfriend, play like a porn star. I had to do things that I'm not proud of. I had to do things that probably I'm ashamed of or that I once was ashamed of. And whenever I didn't cooperate, I was beaten. I was always put down. I was always made fun of. I was always degraded and there was even times that he would beat me so bad. There was one time he, he broke a few of my ribs on my left side. He got me hooked on drugs. Now I've, you know, I wasn't a perfect angel before this. I've taken ecstasy pills. I've, you know, done Xanax and smoked weed. And I've even tried cocaine a couple of times, but I had never done heroin or methamphetamine, smoke crack, things like that. And he talked me into smoking methamphetamine with him, which didn't take but about a day. And I was completely hooked on the drug to the point where he would make deals with me that if I would do this one thing that I really didn't want to do, that he would go get us more drugs or he would take me to this place or that place just so he could make that little bit of extra money. He he would always make me walk in front of him everywhere we went. He always kept a very close eye on me. He told me what to wear, how to feel, what to think, what to do, where to sleep, who to sleep with. I had no control over anything I did. Something that I've noticed in speaking with other survivors is we are all just looking for love. We are all just looking for someone to love us the way that we weren't loved as a child or the way that the love that we were craving and we would do anything to get that love, that attention. We would even 
compromise with the devil in order to get it. So about the time that, about a week before I was actually rescued, um, I tried to run. I was coming down off of the drugs and I was starting to feel. Things were starting to really hurt. And um, he made the mistake of, of leaving my car keys up by the TV at the hotel room. And um, we were in Houston. And as soon as he was out of sight and went to another room with the other girl, I ran. I took my keys and I grabbed the backpack that had all my stuff in it. And I took off down the stairs. I ran and got in my car and I drove as far as I could, which wasn't very far. I got down about a block or two and I was in so much pain from my ribs being broken. Uh, I had to stop. And I don't know how he found me, but he found me uh, about an hour later. And when he did, it was worse than before. When he found me, I'd, I, I, I tried to get away from him and he started sending me all these messages on my phone. Um, and when he, when he would tell me things on the phone, at first I didn't believe him. I just kind of ignored it until he made the comment about wanting to take my daughter. He told me that if I didn't come back and do whatever he said that he was going to take my daughter, which was five at the time, and he even had someone that he knew drive to where she got off the bus and take pictures and send them to me. So whenever this happened, I, I contacted my husband, which this whole time Fat was giving, making me tell him this trumped up story about me working for Holiday Inn and, you know, I was out on a, some kind of training thing and that, that was why I wasn't in Baton Rouge. And, you know, so I, I told my husband everything that was going on. I told him where I was at, what was going on, what had happened. And I sent him a screenshot of the messages where he was threatening my daughter. And whenever I did that, um, my husband contacted the police. But at the same time, I was coming off of the drugs. I was not thinking clearly. Plus, I had a warrant out for my arrest, so I had already been told by Fat that the police would not help me, even if, you know, no matter what. If I went to the police with what was going on, that they would just lock me up and charge me with prostitution. Uh, so I did not want the police contacted at that point, only because I was scared to go to jail myself. Um, but my husband did anyways. Uh, which I'm very grateful he did. Um, at the, About that time, whenever Fat had caught up with me and I went back with him, um, he knew something was off. Uh, I had put a lock on my phone, which I was not allowed to do that. Um, he, he had this app downloaded to my phone and to his phone, and it's called Text Now. And whenever you download the app on one phone and say you log in with the same email address, same password on another phone, everything that's done on one phone mirrors on the other phone. 
so he was able to see anything that was going on because my phone didn't have actual service. It would only run off of Wi-Fi. And because of that, that was another way that he was able to monitor everything that I did, anything that I said, any sales that were done um, through the Backpage app. Um, so I had put the lock on my phone and changed the password to the Text Now app so that he couldn't see anything that was going on. Um, my husband, I guess during this time, had contacted the police. Um, but Fat knew something was wrong, so we moved locations, which was very common because we would not stay in the same town for more than a couple of days, especially not the same hotel. Um, so we went to College Station, and there he got a hotel at the Marriott on Highway 6, and um, whew, things things were not good. Um, my quota went up from $1,500 a day to $2,500. He thought that that was like punishment for me running. Um, so about two or three days into the stay there, which we were there at that hotel longer than any other hotel, and I was sitting in the bathtub I weighed 103 pounds. I was very strung out on drugs. I was broke out with blisters all over my private areas. Um, I was in a great deal of pain. The hot water in the bath would soothe me, so I sat in the bath a lot. And as I was sitting in the bath this one time, I was digging through all of my backpack and I found this cross that I wear even today. I never take it off. Um, and when I found that cross, I remember this thing that I, I told my daughter when she was scared. I told her, honey, as long as God is with you, no evil can come against you. And at that moment, I remembered that. And I looked up to the ceiling and I told God that I couldn't take this anymore. That's all I said. And a couple of days later, the police found me. They took me to the hospital in College Station where they determined I had multiple broken ribs, multiple STDs. Um, I was very emaciated. I was strung out on drugs. I was traumatized to the point where I wouldn't even look anyone in the eyes. I had been trained or what I like to call programmed at that point to not ever look at anyone in their eyes. Everything that I started to feel at that point put me to an emotional state that I could not stop crying. I was very broken and hurt, and I was angry at God because I felt like it didn't have to go that far, but I see now that it was all part of a bigger plan. Um, so I finally was able to go home. My husband, I don't know how 
he did it, but he accepted me back with open arms even after everything that happened. I ask him why even today, and he tells me that God just told him not to give up on me. And because of that, he didn't, and and I was rescued. But that wasn't even the hard part. The hard part was going home and trying to pick up all the pieces. When I was at, when I finally went home, I was so scared that I wouldn't leave the house. I wouldn't go outside to check the mail. I wouldn't go to the store for a soda, nothing. I just, I wouldn't leave. I was scared that if I walked outside, somebody would see me and Fat would be there to take me. He was on the run at this point. Um, he was being brought up on charges um, for human trafficking and compelling prostitution by force. And before he was captured, he actually made the top 10 Texas most wanted list. Um, I tried to get help. I tried to go to counseling. Nothing was really helping. They put me on medication, um, like for anxiety and things. and. Some of that stuff just made it even worse, honestly. Um, they had had me on Xanax, and every time I would take the medicine, it would like intensify my emotions. And it would make, it would, I know it's supposed to like pull you out of panic attacks, but that was not the case here. Uh, it kind of made everything worse because then I developed a dependency on the drug also. And then I wanted to take more of it because I wasn't getting the same effect as before. Um, so it took everything out of me just to get out of bed those days until it got to the point where I felt the only way out was suicide. I had just gotten my prescription filled of the pills I was taking, the Xanax, and I decided to swallow the whole bottle, which I did. And... I actually put the phone in front of me and I was counting the minutes down. I thought it would take maybe 30 minutes for everything to hit me and I was really hoping that it was just, I was just going to fall asleep and not wake up. And in the middle of that waiting time, uh, somebody that I had just met called me just to check on me and it was a lady from church um, that I had hooked up with somehow that she had helped me get some school clothes and things for my kids and she was she was really trying to be my friend she was trying to love on me because I wasn't loving myself at that point and my friend Che I sat there and I talked to her she told me that something just stopped her in her tracks and told told her to call me and that's why she was checking on me. And when she told me that, I broke down and I told her everything. Told her everything that I had been through, everything that I felt. Told her I didn't care, that I wanted to give up. And I told her that I had swallowed all those pills and that I just wanted to die. And she started praying with me. And when she prayed with me, I just, the effects of the pills never even, never even touched me. Like I, I never felt anything. But I felt loved. 
I had prayed the prayer, um, allowing God back into my life, accepting Him, and just asking for forgiveness. The next day, I went out and I got a job. I started working. My first day at work, I made like $130 in tips. It was amazing. I felt God was rewarding me for my bravery. He was rewarding me for finally giving it to Him and not trying to carry the load myself. And from that point on, I started going to church again. I started healing in ways that I had no idea that were even possible. Me and my husband, uh, we moved into a nicer apartment at that point. Um, You know, things just started to get really a lot better for us. I started waking up every single day and being grateful just to have a heartbeat and just to have breath in my lungs. And it was amazing just how much I felt loved at that point. So after I started healing, God put it on my heart that I needed to help others find the same freedom. So I started doing like public speaking and I started sharing my testimony. I started sharing all of this walk with other people. And so many people have come to me and told me how much I've helped them or, um, you know, opened their eyes to certain things that they had no idea about. And that's what helps me heal. That's what helps me keep going now is being able to share with others how amazing God is and just how amazing the freedom is and something that drives me is that I look back at all of this stuff that I've seen during all of this fact that other women are out there, other men, and what hurts the most is children. This is not okay. It's not okay. And if people don't know, then how can they help? We usually ask questions during podcasts, but there's no need for questions today. Carla's story is a story of a fighter, uh, a fighter, a person who wanted something better for her life, wanted something better for her family. And you can hear in her story the seriousness behind what human trafficking is. And there are millions of victims, people trapped in human trafficking today, more than ever in the history of our, of our world, of our country. Even with you know, the things that have happened in the past, um, there are more slaves today than ever before. Why do we share stories like this? It's a serious one, an emotional one, a shocking one to hear what Carla has been through. But we need people to know the truth behind what what's going on you know, be behind uh, the home behind theirs uh, in hotels across the 
the the nation, the country. We need people to know the truth, and that's why we share this information. But if you re- if you listen to the entire story, Carla's story didn't end. You know, in that hotel room, in that bathtub. No, it didn't. She got out of that. You know, God helped her through that. And she came out of it, and she came out of it a better person. And she uses her voice now to help others. And so if there's someone out there right now that is listening to this and didn't know what human trafficking was, you do now. You know how it works, how it happens. You don't need to know all the details, but what you do need to do is open your eyes and look around you. And if you see someone suffering, say something. Report it. Call 911. Say you see something suspicious. You may not know more than that, but just just report it. Uh, you can do something. You don't have to, you know, stand by and let this happen. Human trafficking can end, and it will end, but only when all of us speak up, when all of us are looking around us, are you know reporting the things that we see, and by survivors like Carla sharing their story. Carla was the speaker for Walk for Freedom last year. Uh, here in San Antonio, Texas, and she shared her story in front of hundreds of people that were willing and ready to stand uh, against human trafficking walking the streets of downtown San Antonio. And uh, Carla, I just want to say thank you for being vulnerable with us, being real, um, sharing your story, um, being courageous to share it. Um, we we are better people for it, and I know that the people that are listening, you, there's no way that you can stop listening to what what is being said what is being talked about because you do need to know more you need to know more you need to educate yourself you need to do something so we're going to end it here but we're going to ask carla would you come back and join us for a future podcast yes of course and we would love to have you um you know get your perspective there's a lot of conversations that need to be had around human trafficking and we're just grateful once again um chuck anything you want to add no, just thank you, Carla, for sharing that with us. And you are a fighter. Thank you. We'll see you in our next episode. This is Talk for Freedom, Cesar Lopez, Chuck, uh, Paul, and Carla Solomon. And once again, she's a survivor. Thank you. <laughs>